On this episode of the Excelcast, we're speaking with Vicky van der Alvera and Ingrid Adjensen from Vicarab. We cover what a living lab is, the importance and benefits of living labs for SMEs, end users, and other stakeholders. And we learn more about LikaLab and their involvement in the Axel project. Here's the episode. So thank you both so much for your time. We are very much looking forward to this episode and speaking with you about living labs, about the living lab approach as such, and of course your extensive experience and knowledge that you have been able to collect over the years and, and sharing that with our listeners. But before that, um, I think it would be great if you could introduce yourselves. So um, I am uh, Ingrid Adriansen. I'm the business manager at uh, Lika Lab. So um, my main task is to uh, connect with, uh, with external partners uh, and businesses and to, um, to communicate with, with our living lab, with our operational team, what your expectations are. So uh, I am Vicky van der Aura. I am the operations manager of uh, Lika Lab, and my task is to uh, plan in all activities for the operational team for all uh, projects with companies, European projects, and so on, and also manage some uh, European projects uh, myself. Might be good to start with a definitive question about, you know, uh, what are living labs, you know, because I think if you ask 32 different people, you're going to get 32 different answers to what a living lab is or what the concept is. So, so I think it would be nice to get from, you know, your definition and uh, uh, what are living labs or a living lab approach. Yeah, well, yeah, indeed, uh, there are different interpretations of uh, the term living lab, uh, um, but living labs can play a role in different sectors. Um, and when we look at Lika Lab, for instance, <clears throat> which is short for living and care lab, um, this is a living lab for care and welfare. But on the other hand, you also have living labs that focus on energy, mobility, social innovation, agriculture, uh, and so on. So in general, uh, living labs are defined as uh, open innovation ecosystems. Um, and in these open innovation ecosystems, the co-creation with the user is really central. Um, this means that living labs connect with citizens, they connect with research organizations, with companies, with, cit- with cities, with regions, um, in order to develop new services or prototypes um, or to test innovative solutions with, uh, with end users. Living labs can be organizations that support open innovation, but it can also be real living or working environments where users test new solutions. They can be linked to universities, they can be linked to knowledge institutes, they can be linked to local authorities. And some living labs are time-bound, so which means that they stop after the execution of a specific projects. Others have a more permanent structure, like we at Lika Lab also have. That sounds like a lot of work, <laughs> not just thought, but real work. So in uh, keeping that in operation, to organize all the yeah the involvement of all those users. So wh- why would you do that? So what what are the 
key benefits of setting up a, a living lab? Uh, well, when we uh, started back in 2012, the care sector really was clearly in the need of innovation uh, due to the increasing amount of care and the quality and affordability of care was then and still is now under pressure. And with an aging population, there is an increase in chronic diseases and changed expectations from patients and staff shortages. So in 2030, almost also a quarter of Europeans will be older than 65. So that's why we felt the challenge to offer people a new way of care and innovation can help, of course, uh, like technology or new processes, for example, can support also people in, in living more independently. But uh, companies are often quite far from the market and the care sector is a very complex ecosystem with very specific regulations and reimbursement procedures. So only a limited number of innovations are really successful. And a living lab ensures an improved product market fit. So uh, in addition to user research, we also enable to match new developments to the demand and the needs of, of real users. And users often evaluate user-friendliness, applicability in their daily working and living environment. And in this way, concrete challenges and possibilities become more visible. Life tests, life tests, they provide insight into what goes right and wrong, and above all, why it goes wrong. Based on these experiences, developers can adjust their concept. So living labs are therefore, therefore also successful policy instruments in innovation supports to SMEs, because they can help developers and SMEs to explore, to co-create, to test, and to validate with end users in real-life environments. And through the user insights, the companies gain in collaborating with living labs, the success rate of market introduction will rise. I think it perfectly um illustrates how complex of a uh, topic this is actually, specifically also for the care sector. Um, as you were saying, I think it's just a very complex ecosystem as such. And um, and just this whole thought of ecosystems, yeah, um, value creation in ecosystems and open innovation as such is, is just a, a new topic, a new mentality, and it needs a variety of different actors um, to, you know, to engage with each other and, and, and to come together. And, and that's the thing. I mean, I think, I mean, how do you, I mean, do you as, you know, a, a living lab, do you engage with the, um, the different stakeholders? I mean, how do you engage them or do they come to you or how is, how can we maybe imagine, you know, a process like that um, where you bring, you know, the, the users together with the SME or, or whatever um, might be useful to get a better idea about that. So as Vicky said, uh, Liga Lab exists now uh, for, for eight years, since 2012. Uh, and it's, it is our goal uh, to embed the Living Lab sustainably in this ecosystem of research and innovation and companies. Um, and we strongly commit to provide services um, to, to these SMEs and companies and, uh, and have international cooperation uh, also with, uh, with, with other Living Labs. As for Liga Lab, our focus is on care technology and uh, also on new collaborative models between care providers and between companies and, and care providers. 
Um, so yeah, we we are a we take on a facilitating role between these end users and the companies and the cities and so on. In fact, and when we look back, um, Likalab grew out of a regional innovation project, uh, and it started really as a non-profit organization. With um, in the board, uh, there was a local government, which was a city of turnout. Um, there was a University of Applied Sciences, Thomas More. There was a welfare organization. There was a chamber of commerce. So this whole ecosystem was already well represented. <clears throat> and then thanks to the financial report of the Flemish government, uh, we could grow our team until five persons between 2013 and 2016 and gain really extensive experience in innovation projects. Uh, we put a lot of effort also in building a large user panel of citizens and care professionals. So meanwhile, when we look at our panel, we have more than 1,000 users and over 600 care professionals that have committed to participate in our projects on a regular basis. Now we are a team of, uh, of seven. Uh, we already said uh, I, I am the business manager, Vicky is the operations manager. Besides that, we also have two panel managers who are really in direct connection with, um, with the panel, uh, with the users and with the care organizations. We have two project managers who handle the projects and we also have a PhD uh, researcher. Now we are part of the University of Applied Sciences, Thomas More, and um, yeah, we, we offer tailor-made services for small and large companies, for healthcare organizations, for governance, and we are partners in European projects. Uh, when we look at our, our services, these include exploration of the context, for instance, by desk research, surveys, interviews with experts. We do co-creation, we do testing in real life or working environments, and we do business model advice as well. Um, to make it a bit more concrete, uh, in 2019, we collaborated with almost 1,000 citizens and care actors in about 35 projects. And maybe Vicky can tell a little bit more also in on, on how we work. Mm -hmm. Of course, yes. What we find also very important is that we can work in a, in a spirit of trust with our panel members that they are that they are well known to us and also with the other stakeholders. Uh, but also, this applies to uh, also a scientific approach that we use in working together with them. Uh, for instance, we always take a look at validated tools, procedures, and methodologies to use in our activities, but also evidence-based criteria for a group composition, for instance. And also, uh, all the legal requirements must be fulfilled, like GDPR, informed consent, medical ethical approval, NDAs with companies, and so on. So we also um, conduct our own research, for instance, on some local cultural and societal differences amongst international living apps, for instance, and international projects so that we can anticipate on setting up the right scenario and the right protocol for a test or for a co-creation session. And we think uh, a learning network is also of high importance. Uh, we are an active member of the European Network of Living Labs, where also good practices are, sh are shared and where we collaborate in international projects with other living labs and where we can build up partnerships with innovation agencies, with local authorities, with commercial parties, and also with investment funds. May I jump in here real, real quick, Vicky? You, you mentioned, or both of you mentioned, the, the large panel you have. So that's pretty impressive, I guess. And uh, it sounds easy and uh, nice, but maybe we could 
talk a little bit about uh, the journey uh, to get there. So how hard is it to reach uh, uh, citizens uh, um, and how hard is it to keep them in the loop? So uh, to keep them motivated, so what are the incentives? What can you provide? Uh, so involving citizens uh, in, in, into the panel, but also keeping them uh, <laughs> involved. I, I, I guess that's, that's a pretty tough one, isn't it? Yes, when setting up our panel, it took quite some time, of course, and we worked very close together with local authorities. And, and we started, of course, in, in a collaboration with the city of Turnout, what Ingrid already explained. And we got some support there from the mayor and from, from other uh, advisors in the city to connect with, with the elderly people because we started up with a panel of elderly people specifically. And so I think after a year or two, uh, two or three, thanks to the support of, of these kind of people, we could end up with a panel of 500 to 600 panel members, elderly people living in the city or in the environment of the city. But also, of course, starting up with projects, you, you recruit again new panels, you recruit care experts that want to work together with you in sessions and a live test. So the panel grows and grows also thanks to all the projects and all the cases with SMEs that we, we have during the years. So we have a kind of, a, let's say, a basic panel that we set up in the beginning with elderly people in, in, in the environment of the city, but also thanks to the to many projects, our panel could grow and grow and grow and make it very specific to the case of the SME. So we work together also with, with younger people, with informal carers, with children even. So we really adapt then the panels to the needs of the innovation itself. Oh, great. So you, you work as a trust broker somehow. You know, you, you were talking about the, the spirit of trust and, and I think that's an important one. And I, I can imagine that you as an organization uh, also, yeah, affiliated with the with the university and and and, and so on and so forth. That that you work kind of a, a, a trust broker. Out of your broad experience and rich experience, what what are the groups that are hardest to reach? So so where are so where where could you see uh, this is really those are the toughest one to reach? Uh, is it? Uh, the end users or the SMEs or what kind of end users? Uh, can you say something about that maybe? Are there any patterns we can learn from maybe? Yeah, what I find difficult in, in, in the projects that we did is to reach out to vulnerable people. Vulnerable people will not immediately really react on a call to to uh, be engaged in a project. So you really have to go via ambassadors, via more trusted persons to them, because of course we we build uh, we build trust between us and the end users, but still for very specific groups, we also need an, an a link in between us and them. And that type of ambassadors often come from organizations that really specifically support these groups of end users. It could also be with specific patient organizations, for instance. So when it is difficult to reach out to them, we also work with these intermediary persons and organizations to reach out to, to them because they are also a very trusted source to these types of people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, we've got the same experiences, though. You need, for instance, welfare organizations in some areas, the church or hospitals. What I mean, some, yeah, <laughs> trusted, also people, not just organizations, but also sometimes it's 
it's people, as 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 you say, ambassadors that 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 open doors and and make sure that that you are able to reach the right person yes, and people. Yes, that's yeah. true. And those ambassadors can also be the first lead users to give the example to others, and others can join later on. So that's often the way it goes with the the groups that are difficult to reach out to. Great. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, the experience that we have, sorry, is, is that, you know, the recruitment uh, for these users, users to participate is just extremely difficult. Um, and and I'm just yeah very impressed that you guys have such a large panel and, and uh, also, you know, for the care organizations or other providers that you work with, um, you know, because it seems like the base, you know, only with that you can really, you know, actually function. As a, as a living lab and provide that type of a service. But I mean, just just really quick, I mean, we were also, you know, um, the beneficiary, let's say, maybe of working with you guys, having the experience of working with you guys, because, um, you know, you're doing a multi, yeah, what, trans-regional um, experiment and asked for a German test site. And, and from experience, I can say that you really did a wonderful job from Nikolab kind of um, providing advice on how to conduct these types of workshops and, you know, what to look for and everything. So it's, it's really well established, of course, uh, you know, in the work that you guys do, you know, you can tell that you just have um, lots of experience um, and, um, and share that also, you know, because this, this is something that, you know, we were also able to learn on how to, um, how to work like, a living lab, let's say, or, you know, to, to work and conduct these types of co-creation workshops and what to look for and how to set it up. So uh, it was perfect, um, um, yeah, support that you also provide in that. But uh, what I really liked when you were talking um, a bit ago is the, the fact that, you know, living labs can really be a, a policy instrument um, or are a policy instrument to support SMEs in uh, in innovation processes. Um, I think I thought that was an interesting thought or an interesting way of maybe perceiving it that I hadn't perceived it as yet. You know, because you know, as you were describing how you were set up, it was really in a way coming from from the top. Let's say maybe you know, it's more of a a policy um, initiative um, and and just the start of you know them being a policy instrument, um, I thought, is really important. No, but I, I think you're right. And also coming back to what Daniel said earlier um, about this trust. And um, yeah, we, we at Likalapa being part, we are a neutral partner. And this also means that when uh, we, we have contacts with, uh, with SMEs, um, and we go to a care organization, for instance, it, it will be easier to have access to this care organization and to, and to, and to these end users. Uh, so, yeah, we, we have this, um, uh, this, this role of, of trust in between and, and, and we can offer better access to, uh, to, to, to the care organizations for SMEs. Uh, because when there is a commercial partner coming in, it's, uh, it's much more difficult, of course. Yeah, it really does seem like that needs to be a neutral um, organization, a neutral actor, you know, orchestrating um, the these different activities or bringing the different people together. Um, and so, yeah. And also, as far as funding is concerned, I know I'm <clears throat> maybe going off uh, the topic here, but, you know, really, as far as funding is concerned, I mean, they're, they're also, you know, um, 
needs to be, a, I think, a different, I don't know, setup. But you know, you need to have the support from uh, from political actors in a way, you know, to to sustain, you know, part of the operations and activities. So you know, the funding, partial public funding, but also you know, probably private is is probably part of an important part of a living lab business model. Yeah, yes, indeed. Uh, we have a combined business model, meaning that uh, partly we are supported uh, by by by, our, by the University of Applied Sciences, of course. Uh, we work in European uh, funded projects, but we also work for for private companies. So we uh, we have income uh, from these private companies as well. So it's a mixed model of uh, um, of, of income and, and 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 revenue. Yeah, that's yeah, always a big. Big topic, of course, you know, how do you fund and finance um, those types of activities? Because, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a funny it, thing. I know. I hated. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, I suppose it goes into this question of how does living, you know, like a lab work as a living lab, you know, because, yeah, where does this initiative come from? You know, how do you approach the different actors that need to come together for, you know, developing a product, you know, or a service, you know, who initiates the, you know, the, the different projects that you do, you know, I mean, I'm sure as you were saying, they're probably different frames and different, um, um, yeah, projects, but still, I mean, you know, it's, it's who initiates because I'm sure sometimes you, maybe you have one interesting challenge or problem and it's like okay do we have the resources to be able to bring something together you know to to find a solution to that problem well we started up of course like ingrid said with the support also from the flemish government and the program of the flemish government really was set up to get to know the living lab approach to smes so that smes could know what does a living lab stand for how do they work do i have benefit with it does my product match the market better so they could experience the way we work so that was the issue of that uh, of that uh, program then where we got uh, the funding and we also did several projects together with companies and also we were new then at that time so we just started up so we also had to experience and how to collaborate with companies but uh, since later on we created some support programs ourselves also thanks to EU funded funded uh, money we could give companies more and more support and and we are also more and more experienced in what a company really needs when they are looking at new development for technology or a new process to use in a specific care organization because we are also very linked to the the complete health ecosystem so we are in close contact also with those care organizations and experts and that's also why we set up the programs very specifically for let's say uh just starting ideas for an innovation, a concept and what services they could benefit from. But then later on, when they start developing how to run a life test and so on, the procedures also, the, the contacts with with those the right end users, the right care experts, because they often don't know those health ecosystems that well in all those different countries. So living labs are really well set up to uh, deliver them that kind of advice and support to for them to get to know all regulations and health ecosystem in those regions where they want to enter the market. So um, for us, it was really also very interesting to learn from, from those experience in those specific programs 
as a living lab as well in how to link with those uh, developers and with those innovators and which type of support best matches what, what they also need. And, and of course, right from the beginning of the development chain, we include those end users and we link always the next step in the development to the need and to the use of this type of innovation in daily life of these end users. So no, it sounds like an invaluable experience <laughs> that you have been able to collect um, over the years. But so uh, we understand it right that you 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 provide services or consultation services from ideation up to market entry. In yes, yeah. From the very start, uh, indeed, from from ideation, also uh, prototypes from very low technical uh, TRL levels and uh, technology readiness levels. Uh, until products that are ready to to, to go on the market. Uh, And and there comes also in uh, the international aspect, uh, because when you have uh, a product that uh, has has been well-developed already and which is ready for the market, or maybe already even in the form of a minimum minimum viable product on the market, for instance, in Belgium, a lot of SMEs seek to upscale to uh, international markets. And then we also link back to uh, to international living labs uh, to, um, to, to, to see how the, the, the ecosystem is, uh, is over there and, and if this specific uh, innovation can also uh, be, be used in, uh, in another market. And um, in this way, we, we can easily collaborate with, uh, with other living labs and really add um, a value for, for the SME as well. Which brings us to trans uh, regional collaboration and the XL project, more or less. Um, so maybe at the end, we could tackle a little bit your role in, in, in the project. So what is your role in, in, in the project and why, why did you join or what is in, in, in there for you as an organization and maybe also as a person? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, Nikolab is an advisory partner uh, in, in Excel. So that means that we do not have a specific uh, policy instrument uh, to address or an action plan to, to be made up. Uh, so in this role, we can be a member of the transfer panel, we can advise and we can provide coaching to the other partners and based on our own experience. Uh, we also do assist the Flemish partner Flyo in setting up the regional stakeholder group in Flanders and also to develop the self-assessment uh, tool uh, and to formulate improvements for the selected policy instrument. And for us, it's also interesting, of course, to learn from the from the other markets. Uh, of course, we have quite a lot of, uh, of experience, but uh, it's, it's always interesting for us to see how other regions work, uh, where their challenges are, um, where their strengths are uh, and and we we can learn from uh, from from them uh, as well so I think this uh, this aspect of mutual learning is is really very important uh, for us as well even if we do not have to uh, to to address a specific policy instrument no we're very very happy to have you on board um, and I think the podcast uh, episode that we had makes clear why <laughs> Uh, with your, like I said, your long year experience um, that you have had in working as a living lab with the different methodologies and different challenges that uh, living lab has from from the beginning. But um, yeah, I think, thank you so much. Um, I don't know, Daniel, if you have any No, thank, thank you so much uh, uh, um, to provide us with so 
many useful, fruitful information. And uh, I guess that was a really very thoughtful uh, and, and interesting um, discussion and uh, chat we had uh, on, on the Living Labs. And uh, I am pretty optimistic uh, that uh, all the audience uh, will, will think the same. Thank you so much uh, for all the input and, and your time, of course. Okay. Yeah. okay. Hear it. So well. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. See you soon. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> thank you to Vicky and Ingrid for joining us for today's episode. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us as well. Be sure to check our show notes and see where you can find more information about Lika Lab, Interact Europe, and Excel. Excelcast is created by myself, Sandra Evans, as well as Daniel Boer, Christine Hopkins, and Markus Treimann. Thank you.